Hello, hello. This is Ali Tedlawe. Welcome to another Talk to Me About Food audio blog posting. To be or not to be. There's a mad rush in the world of making food to make quote-unquote fake food that claims to be just as good or better in some ways than the real thing. A lot of venture capital is being put behind food startups seeking to manufacture food from some essence of the real thing. The target of these substitutes is animal-based food. Red meat and dairy, poultry and eggs and seafood. With the right line of animal tissue cells, a medium to propagate these cells into recognizable edible stuff, they're talking about bioreactors, there is growing evidence that cultivated beef and cultivated chicken, turkey, lamb, tuna, shrimp, and salmon can be made and commercialized. The chief executive of Aleph Farms suggested recently that their 3D bioprinted ribeye steak may be approved for sale as early as the back half of 2022. Some food makers are only taking inspiration from what can be harvested from nature with a few processing steps, like a beef burger. It turns out it's not so impossible to make a believable, more than palatable burger from soy and soy derivatives, coconut and sunflower oil, potato protein, and synthetic heme instead of feedlot corn-fed ground chuck marbled with fat and bursting with real meaty heme. Synthetic heme, by the way, is genetically modified yeast that's been fermented. The aim is for us to exchange animal-based food with plant-based food that looks like, smells like, and eats like what we've been used to eating since we started cooking food tens or even hundreds of thousands of years ago. I just finished a project on meat substitutes. In addition to burgers, there are plant-based sausages, breakfast links and bacon, nuggets and tenders, deli slices, even a veggie roast, and a range of seafood lookalikes. I've also read about cheese that's made from non-dairy protein and fat that's not fat. The list keeps growing. What about bee-less honey? It's a thing, or it might be a thing as early as next year. Melibio is working on replicating the process of converting nectar into honey using bioengineering and fermentation and advanced science. The idea is to co-opt and reprogram microorganisms to do the conversion work done in a honeybee's cells. Think of how yeast turns sugars into alcohols. This attempt to fabricate a bioengineered honey analog strikes a nerve with me partly because we do take some responsibility for endangering the existence of bees in the first place. It feels to me like we're maybe giving up on bees and already looking elsewhere to create fake honey as good as or better than real honeybee honey. And to do this reliably through a controllable production process and predictable supply chain. But bees going away is not like the disappearances of the dodo or carrier pigeon. We rely on honey in the honey bunches of oats my kids devour every morning. And how many of us swirl it into, spread it on, or bake into all sorts of things? Honey has become more important as an alternative to refined sugar in the past few years. 
According to Innova Insights, which tracks new products, about 5% of all food and beverage launches in the U.S. over the past five years included honey as an ingredient. That's thousands of honeyed items. About half as many as for vanilla, but double raspberry and 10 times fashionable acai. Honey is more of a staple than salmon for most of us, and yet we're knocking down dams on the Columbia River to preserve the salmon run. What can we do for the bees? They're not charismatic megafauna, a designation given to the bald eagle, the gray wolf, the otter, maybe salmon too. But honeybees play an outsized role in most ecosystems as pollinators and providers of food for us and many other species, which brings me to Pooh Bear. Honey, the kind that's regurgitated by bees, and the bees themselves are woven into our literature and music and art too, of course. The storybook images of Winnie's honey entanglements remain ubiquitous, delightful, and relatable. If honey as we know it goes the way of the dodo, these images will become less relatable. Poignant, quaint illustrations. Not observable experiences out in the world. Maybe the story about beeless honey got to me because of another set of childhood memories. I'll call our close family friend Mr. A. Mr. A despised honey and okra. The unique sliminess keeps me away from okra too, but what is it about honey that riled him up every single time? Mr. A once told me it was because of how bees expel honey out of their bodies. Bee vomit. Whatever the reason, if you uttered the word honey, he would cuss and tickle you hard if you weren't quick enough to get away. Mr. A's aversion to honey got him and us into good trouble over the years. One night, someone slathered the car's steering wheel with a thick, rustic honey. Mr. Ace jumped out of the car screaming that the joke was on us, too, because it was our brand new car, and the honey had had time to drip onto the upholstery while we held back our Snickers over dessert. Another time, traveling together in France, we came upon a mielerie, a honey shop, on a hilltop with a commanding view of the Alps with a huge metallic honeybee sculpture affixed to the top of the shop. We insisted on stopping to eat, and then poor Mr. A endured tastings of local honey and ribbings over the course of a long lunch on the patio. Maybe what also gets me about the idea of manufactured honey or fabricated honey is a paradox many of us seem to live with when choosing what to eat. We say We want to stay tethered to the earth and water from which we sprang, and yet we are willing to embrace a future of synthetic foods. When you survey consumers about what factors most influence their decision when they're shopping for food, natural, no additives or preservatives, made with real ingredients, and no artificial flavors or colors are close to the top. Also, many Americans say they want to be familiar with what's in the food they buy, or at least be able to pronounce the ingredients on the label. At the same time, there is a growing appetite for these bioengineered analog products that mimic what's readily found in nature. The processes for making these products are somewhat mysterious, and the resulting product story is not going to be easy to really understand for most of us. So much for real, simple ingredients.
Now, those paving the way for a synthetic food future make a compelling case that the environment will be preserved by not overstressing it producing food the way we have been for the last 50 years. The company Beyond Meat claims that water use should drop by over 99%, energy by almost half, and greenhouse gases by more than 90% if we eliminate cattle from meat production and distribution. We're starting to respond. Plant-based meat sales, like Beyond Meat, were up 45% in 2020. But meat sales also grew by double digits last year. The substitution of real meat with food that mimics meat is not happening so clearly, at least not yet. The natural to synthetic conundrum lives. Reading the almost daily news in the food press about the alternative proteins and cultivated meat makes the future I've just described seem inevitable. This is where the big money is going. This sense of inevitability makes me squirm. It feels like the easier way forward in some sense, but not the only way. Another way forward is to cut back on consumption of animal-based food in this country and adopt regenerative agriculture with a more localized supply chain. Traditional, sustainable agriculture, which is dependent on multiple crops and multiple livestock species and the birds and the bees, is still feasible. But it does mean upending the current way we produce and distribute food. And that's the problem. It's hard. Food makers are constructing a future with a broader array of concocted products that I feel will over time muscle out whole, much less adulterated, naturally conceived foods. And I think you and I are going to be okay with this. It'll happen gradually, and we'll find the food tasty enough, eventually affordable, and convenient. And we will live with the paradox that bugs me because we will accept a broader or revised meaning of the word natural. Alternative is maybe a better way than substitute to describe these synthetic products. Consumerism creates choice and there's room for all tastes and price points. A jar of bee-made honey may cost a small fortune one day just for those who have the means or a weak streak of nostalgia. I wonder if humans are evolving away from feeling inextricably entwined with the DNA of all that is alive on earth. Is it a done deal that we will one day colonize another planet blessed with virgin soil and teeming with game, or more than one planet? Enough land and resources to leave Earth behind? A vastly less important but amusing personal question I have is how Mr. A would react to beeless honey. Would he feign indignation, swear at the mere mention of it, or a jar of synthetic honey thrust in his face? Is there the remotest of possibilities that he would take a spoonful in his tea?